the biggest one is is just is just making sure that you're making yourself worth following and and we do that just watching you if, if i was to have somebody show up you know he was to bring his 10 year old kid and watch you in practice who is that dad saying yeah you need to follow that guy or be like that guy just by the way you're going about your business Welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. Today we're joined by Brophy Prep head coach Josh Garcia. Josh and I go way back to the South Mountain days, and knowing him personally and professionally, I can tell you firsthand that he's a great coach and an awesome leader of men. Josh and I talk about how he went full circle by playing at Brophy, South Mountain, and then Arizona, then coached at Arizona, winning the national championship in 2012, then back to South Mountain, and now he's the head coach at Brophy. On the show, we go in depth with how he teaches base running, and just a small sample, they stole over 200 bags at South Mountain two years ago, how he's building the culture after taking over for a coach he not only played for, but was at Brophy for over 40 years. And we also get into what he is changing from year one to year two. Ladies and gentlemen, you're gonna love this conversation with Josh Garcia. Jaga, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Our relationship, we go a little bit further back than a lot of the guests that I've had on the show because uh, we were teammates at South Mountain, and then you were obviously a lot better than I was, got to play at the University <laughs> of Arizona, and then coached there, won a national championship and, and whatnot. But before I get too far ahead of myself, why don't you go ahead and, and go into a little bit about your story and how you got into coaching and and uh, where you're at currently? Yeah, man. Well, first, um, you know, I, I grew up in uh, South Phoenix and I went to a small Catholic school here. And then uh, parents decided, you know, it'd be the best route for me to go to Brophy, you know, and, and Brophy's a uh, um, all boy Jesuit school. And it's been open since you know, 1928 and real big on, on academics and the athletics program is pretty good back then. And so I drove, you know, from South Phoenix and the Brophy's right in the heart of Phoenix, right in Central and uh, Camelback. And uh, so I drove 30 minutes uh, every day from my parents' house in Levine to Brophy. And, and uh, at, actually out of, uh, out of high school, my junior year, I actually committed to Arizona State and then ended up going to junior college where I met you as a great teammate, you know, for, for that time there. And, and honestly, that going to junior college is probably the best thing that, that, that could ever happen to me. And um, you just learn so much about yourself and you learn that even at the junior college level, there's a lot of players better than you and, and you learn how to work. And that's the thing that I learned as a player and a coach at the junior college level is just how to work and, and how to compete, you know, because you got a lot of people trying to get to where you, you want to go and, and you got to find a way, you know. So from Brophy, went to South Mountain, played there for Coach Easton for two years and then fortunate enough to, uh, like I said, I committed to Arizona State, you know, as a junior and then, you know, kind of uh, went the opposite way and, and uh, was recruited by University of Arizona my sophomore year at South Mountain. And, and actually the guy that recruited me was you know, obviously Coach Lopez, but Mark Wozniakowski, who's at, uh, he's the head coach at Purdue. And, um, and you know, he's done, made, yeah, he had a great year. He had a great year and, and he, he's, he's made a pretty good track record of recruiting. And, and honestly, I felt honored that he was calling me and recruiting me because I just had known the players he recruited in the past. And, and, and he, actually, the way he recruited me kind of got me into thinking that's a, that's what I wanted to do. That was kind of like the path I wanted to take. And he recruits in a different way, where he he tells you the truth, you know, right away, you know. And 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 the first phone call he had with me, he basically said, um, "Hey, if you're interested in the, in the University of Arizona, so are we. But before we, you know, go forward with this, I just want to let you know, um, you know, we go hard here. You know, it's going to be tough and and." You know, we, we want you to let you know, you know, before you even take a visit where you come down here is, is you're going to be pushed. And if you're in for that, you know, if you're up for that, let, let's do it, you know, and went down there and, and uh, spent time with spent the day with him and Coach Lopez. And and they both said, you know, we, we want you here, but, you know, just it's going to be hard. There's going to be some days where you walk out of here thinking, why did I come here? But at, at the end of the day, we're going to get you better we're gonna get you tougher. And, and sure enough, I, I so I show up there as a junior, junior college transfer and Again, you know, I, I, my sophomore, my junior year, I'm there with uh, Alex Mejia, who who's has time in the big leagues with the Cardinals, uh, Ref Snyder, who's in the big leagues with the uh, Rays, Joey Rickard, who's in the big leagues with the Orioles. These guys are all freshmen, and I'm a junior. I'm 21 years old, and, and we're 
squatting the same. We're, we're power cleaning the same. I'm thinking, man, these freshmen, you guys are 18 years old doing the same things I am. They're faster than me. So I got, I got to figure it out, you know, and, but that, but going back to, you know, the way, you know, Wazikowski recruited me, he said, it's going to be tough, you know? So every time we uh, have a rough day on the field or something, I knew exactly what I was coming into. And, you know, from there, I kind of liked, you know, the, the, I was interested in recruiting, you know, so I finished up playing there, you know, for two years and 2011 was my last year playing and then didn't get drafted. You know, I, honestly, I, I thought I played well enough to get drafted, led our team in, in home runs and, and uh, up there in RBI, same thing in the Pac-12. I think I ended up fourth or fifth in home runs that year. Didn't get drafted. Honestly, that, that, that stung. I, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And, and uh, Coach Lopez, I actually called him and, and asked him, you know, like, what do I do now? Like, I thought I was going to go play. And he just said, well, you got to get, get your degree and, and come back and coach. Like he wanted, I told him before I wanted to coach. He goes, you can start coaching. You know, you can start coaching now. Let's just start now. And right away, I didn't think that was a good idea. I wanted to <laughs> still play. And, and I thought he was nuts. And it turns out that he, he you know, he, he just flat out told me, you don't need to go play. You just get your degree. You start coaching, you, you know, go from there. And, and 2012 was my first year coaching. We ended up winning a national championship. So right there, I just kind of got the, you know, and I, and I was coaching a lot of my teammates too. You know, the guys that I played with the last two years, I was coaching them and um, just says a lot about those guys' personalities where they, even though like I, you know, I didn't treat them like I was a coach. I just, I throw them extra BP when they wanted it. And they would ask me and they talked to me and respected me like a coach. Those, those guys got me into it and, and kind of just got to see the impact you can have as a coach, you know? So I spent um, a couple of years there at Arizona as a volunteer and then, uh, Coach Lopez always tell me if, if you want to really coach in college, you got to find out if you like recruiting because that's what it's going to be about is, is if you can bring in good players. And, and so uh, the first opportunity I got in a job that was uh, as a volunteer, you can't recruit was up at Yavapai College and they'd had an opening that year. A new head coach, uh, Ryan Kogel, he, he took over there and he was looking for an assistant coach and, and uh, be a recruiting coordinator. So I went up there and Got my first taste of recruiting and loved it, and I wanted to do it like all day long. I just kind of got addicted to it, and I loved the grind of it. And so I, I spent one year up there, and actually a paid position opened up that that uh, following summer back at Arizona. And Coach Lopez hired me back to Arizona, so I went back as a as a full time assistant. And then he retired. I go back to uh, my junior college alma mater at South Mountain, and then I'm a recruiting coordinator there for for Coach Easton, who I, I played for. And then again, just hit Phoenix hard, try to get all the best players in Phoenix. And that the first group that I recruited were sophomores this year. And that group, they ended up winning the league championship. A lot of them are going on and then playing division one schools. And, and then from there, my, uh, so my high school, I knew eventually that my, my high school coach is going to retire. He'd been here for 40 years and, you know, I really wasn't interested in high school. I thought I was a college coach. I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, being part of a national championship, I'm going to get back to uh, division one. I like being in college. And, uh, honestly, I think it was, you know, just that that was, you know, God's plan for me to come back here to Brophy and coach. And I, and I got my degree in religious studies. And I, at the time I had no idea why now, you know, I know why it, it, it's to bring me back here. And I, I also teach, I teach freshman scripture here, you know, and so I can use my degree, you know, I'm head baseball coach here at, at Brophy. And, and, uh, so I, I went full circle, you know, I, I played at Brophy, played at South, played at U of A, coached at U of A, coached at South. Now I'm, I'm back here coaching at Brophy. So I'm back where, back where it all started. No, I love that. And, and you guys had a, had a really good, you know, first year you guys made the state tournament and, you know, had a, a really good run. And so talk to us about, you know, what, what you guys are doing for player development. And so we had year one under our belts. Now we're going into year two. So what do you envision the fall to look like? And it could be something that's a little bit different than you did last fall, or it could be if you if you really loved it. Uh, talk to us about what you guys and what you guys are doing in the fall and how you guys are building better baseball players. Yeah, absolutely. So coming into it, you know, uh, last year, the, the team before um, I got here, you know, they, they had a rough year and, you know, they were three and 15 in, in PowerPoint games and coming into it, you know, so we can start baseball in uh, in June. And actually that's what we're going through now summer ball. So we go summer ball all in June. So the next year actually starts in June for us. And, and really I had no idea, you know, I'd been out to some of the games, like as I recruited, you know, players in their conference against Brophy. So I'd gone out to see a few of the games and 
And uh, honestly, I didn't know, you know, dealing with younger kids, it was kind of the whole summer and fall was them trying to get to learn my personality, me trying to get to know the kids and, and establishing a culture and changing the culture and, and getting them to kind of buy into, you know, what we were trying to do here. And, and what it really was is, is we had to change a lot of their behaviors, you know, how, you know, if, if they were a letterman, if they were a, a baseball player, how they walked around campus, how they uh, showed up to the weight room, how they prepared for practice, because it was going to be completely different, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, what they were used to. And, and so all of last year is a huge adjustment for the guys. Um, and and my, the senior group that I had, I, I mean, I'll, I'll always be indebted to them because they, they brought me in. I mean, and they told me right away, like, whatever you need us to do, we're doing it. So we had a good group, about six seniors that, that led. And, and so last fall was, was kind of just getting our foot in the door, kind of putting our, our stamp on the program, kind of let them know what behavior is acceptable, you know, what, what's tolerated. And, and just, you know, what's accepted and just what's not accepted. And, and uh, um, it still took us towards the middle of the year to, to kind of form the behaviors that we wanted and to form the culture that we wanted. And, and what we're seeing now is, is uh, um, a huge shift in, in what we're doing in our program. And, and even from the younger guys and I coach. So we have all three teams going right now. We have our incoming freshmen, which is our C team, um, our sophomores, our, our rising, our incoming sophomores, our B team, and then Last year's JV and varsity teams are a team, and I coach all three teams. I'm trying to find out who's going to lead this this uh, for the upcoming year, and getting the sophomores. I talk to them about leadership a lot, and, and our older guys is is every day they show up to weightlifting, they show up to practice. They're making themselves worth following, and I, and I tell them, you know, no one's going to follow if you're not worth following. And the way you do that is in your preparation, and what you do in the weight room, how you go about your business on the field. So right now, as we're going through summer ball, I'm trying to figure out who wants to lead, who are the guys worth following, and, and guys that need to follow somebody, kind of give them some guidance. So, hey, look, watch this guy. This guy knows, this guy knows what he's doing. He's, he's going the right place. He's lead, leading in the right direction. And, and then going forward, you know, we, we have a lot of our philosophy in because I coach all three teams in the summer. Um, I'm able to put in some stuff that's constant throughout the whole program. Like we run the bases the same. Um, which I'm sure I'll talk about in, in, in a little, and then we, we will bunt the same, we'll hit and run the same. Our offensive uh, approach, uh, for the most part, is the same. It varies between each level, and, and really just getting them to, to realize what's acceptable in the program now. Let's talk about your staff for a second, because, oh my gosh, you might have <laughs> the best staff in all of high school baseball. So just talk to those guys, and, and or talk about those guys a little bit, and talk about you know what they've brought to the program as well. Yeah, absolutely. So so my, my, my staff are my best friends, and I, I grew up with them. One is, is Raul Torres. He, you know, I, I met him and his brother, Riccio. Man, we, I, we might have been you know, eight years old. We played the same little league, went to the same high school. You know, obviously, I, I ended up playing at the U of A. They both played, played at Arizona State. And so Raul Torres, he does uh, infield and, and hitting, um, and, and he also he owns a business here in Phoenix, which allows him to be at practice every day at 2 o'clock. And, There'll be some days, I mean, he grind, he's, he's the best grinder and leader um, that I've been around. Just a great influence for the kids. And there's some days, you know, he, he owes a, uh, owns a towing and storage place. So he'll show up sometimes in his tow truck with a truck on the back, go through practice, go as hard as he can with a ton of energy, and then hop back on the tow truck and keep working. You know, and the kids, kids see that and the kids feed off that. The guy's working all day he's, and he's bringing a ton of energy. So, so the kids feed off him, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to have him. And, and his brother, Riccio, who actually just recently, the other day, got accepted in the Phoenix Fire Academy. So he, he'll be a firefighter here pretty soon. He graduated from Brophy um, in 2008. He's a year younger than me. And his brother, Raul, graduated in 2006. He's a year older than me, so I'm right in the middle of them. Riccio played at Arizona State and then uh, fourth rounder for the uh, Rays and ended up coming back here. And, but back to Phoenix. Now he's going to be a, a firefighter. Um, he works with the outfielders and the hitters. And then Roll as well. He rolls, spent some time with Diamondbacks and the Astros. You know, so I have those two guys and that I've known forever that keep me accountable. Honestly, I'm so I, I keep the kids accountable. They keep themselves accountable, but but they're not shy about saying, "Hey, man, why are you playing this guy?" or 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 how about we uh, we do something <laughs> different? So right. um, I just appreciate that they can be honest with me, and and I think every day out there. Because we can, no matter where we are, we can have fun with each other. And I think the kids feed off our energy and, and how good of a time we're having out there. And uh, my pitching coach, 
um, is Josh Spence, who's who's uh, an Australian from Australia. And I actually played against him uh, when I was at South, and he was at Central Arizona. I mean, he was junior college player of the year, like two years in a row. And then he went on and played at Arizona State. So he was teammates with Rishi and Roll at Arizona State. And, and I think his junior year, he was he was up for Golden Spikes and, and uh, pitched in the big leagues with the Padres. And last summer, actually last fall, we're fortunate to get him to come with us. And he does an outstanding job. Like the only thing I do with the pitching is tell them to go with Coach Spence. And, and, and he just... Uh, He's so into detail. I mean, he takes a lot of pride in his job and, um, you know, and just the pitcher he was, you know, so he didn't throw very hard. You know, he was, he'll tell you, he, he was, there'd be days he'd be sitting 79, but he knows how to compete. And, and all of our pitchers are, are starting to get what he has. He has an edge about him. You know, if you can't make it to the big leagues, then, you know, throwing 82 without being able to compete and all of our guys will get on the mound and they'll attack the zone. And he's had the biggest impact you know, so far just because of what he's been able to do with our pitchers. And I told him when he first came in, so he wasn't with us in the summer through June and he came in August and I told him, Hey man, like, it, like this summer, if we kept it under 10 wild pitches, we had a chance to win. He looks at me and go, I'm not even kidding. If we keep it under 10 wild pitches, we'll be okay. And towards the end of the year, we, we, we got some, we got a lot out of those guys and our coach Spence got a lot out of those guys and being able to, um, get them to fill up the zone and throw a second pitch and control the running game. And then uh, my freshman coach, who who is the, the freshman level is pretty, very important to me just because they're, they're new guys. They're young. We're trying to, you know, they're, they're the future in the program is uh, Dave Grant. He's, he's the old head coach at uh, Glendale Community College. He has over a thousand wins um, at the college level. And, and uh, um, so he's retired. He, he's, he runs our freshman program. And he's been outstanding, and, and he's has patience um, like like you wouldn't believe, and he's so good with that younger group and keeps them disciplined. And uh, so I'm so thankful to have him. And then we just got a new addition this summer, Coach uh, Scooter Molander, who was our head football coach here at Brophy for 13 years. He joined our program. He's going to be Dave's assistant at that level, and he's also working with all three teams um, with, with speed training and strength and conditioning along with our other strength coach, Joe Dank. And, and so our kids have, you know, some of the best resources. We have a couple million dollar weight rooms, a three story, uh, three story weight room and, and the coaches that just love working with them. And, and um, I, I think our I mean, our kids are definitely spoiled, but I think our coaches are spoiled, too, because we have some great kids. No doubt. And and you can definitely tell that, you know, from just a competition standpoint, being around all those guys, your your kids essentially have to be competitive. So is there any way that you guys try and build in a competition, one, between the coaching staff, which would be fun, but also <laughs> between uh, the players and just trying to reinforce what you guys are wanting to see? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you can you can find actually you can find on Twitter Coach uh, Riccio Torres racing some of our kids at practice, <laughs> you know, so they're in. And, uh, you know, we'll work. I, you know, I still work out, you know, and, and uh, all of our coaches, you know, we're still very active. And, and, you know, during the spring, Saturday mornings, we're down there working out with the kids. We're not afraid to challenge. They're not afraid to challenge us either. You know, so it's, it's a good culture where, you know, we're all trying to get each other better. We compete in the fall. So we our, our fall season. We'll, we'll lift four days a week and we'll practice four days a week, Monday through Thursday. And every, every day in the weight room, we'll do some sort of competition, whether it's tug of war, plate holds, plank holds. Um, and our strength coaches, it's either competing against each other or competing against another sports team. We have some good sports teams. Our basketball team was ranked number one in the state most of the year and lost in the semifinals. Our, our soccer team was uh, is nationally ranked and lost in the, in the championship game. So we have some good competitors on campus, and we all try to feed off each other you know, Coach Dank and Coach Molander do a pretty good job in the weight room creating that competition. Uh, where it's not, we're, we're not down there just working out because Coach said we're we're down there competing for a job. We're competing for potentially a scholarship. We're competing, you know, for for a chance, you know, to to play for a championship. And I think you have to earn the right to compete for a championship. And I think that starts in the weight room and and what we're doing down there. So everything we do, honestly, there, there's not too many things that uh, uh, we don't do on the field that isn't a competition. And I think they, the, the kids have to love to enjoy it. You know, competition should bring the mo- bring out the most in you. And there's some times where, where a lot of guys will shy away from some competition or you get, you know, a little bit of confrontation, you know, within a game and guys, you know, want to hide in the corner. And, and the more we compete and, and the more we do it on a daily basis, the more comfortable uh, those guys get with it. So 
we do a handful of things of you know in the cages with hitting and whether it's bunting or hitting and running you're going to compete against somebody but a lot of our competition will come in the weight room because it's you know it's big on big you versus another guy and you got to find a way to beat them i love that and another important component that you mentioned and you hit on a little bit earlier and that's uh team and leadership building so talk to us about how you guys are going about building leaders in your program i think it it, it starts at a young age and I, I think i'm really on it with our sophomores you know our guys are going to be sophomores this year and you know, it's a behavior. So anytime it's a behavior, I think it can be developed. Um, same thing with mental toughness. I, you know, there's some guys that, that, that have it, you know, and, but I think that can be developed as well. And, and so we talk a lot about it, you know, cause we, we all want leaders. We all want, you know, certain guys to lead, but we have to make sure we're giving them the information necessary to lead. And, and most of the time, especially last year, I, I was having to lead in the fall. My coaches were having to lead in the fall until some of those seniors kind of grabbed onto what, you know, they were supposed to do what kind of the behaviors of a, what a behavior of a leader is. And kind of, they, they just take it and run with it, you know? So as sophomores right now, I, I have, you know, a few qualities that I give them each day, but the biggest one is, is just, is just making sure that you're making yourself worth following. And, and we do that just watching you. If, if I was to have somebody show up, you know, he was to bring his 10 year old kid and watch you in practice. You know, who is that dad saying, yeah, you need to follow that guy or be like that guy just by the way you're going about your business. And, and I try to tell all of our younger guys to do that. And the school, uh, you know, so we're, we're at a, we're at an all guy school. It's a great culture here where we're throughout the whole, they're, they're not going to go for, they're going to go class to class, you know, hearing about, you know, being a man, being a leader, stepping up, speaking up, you know, having the courage to speak up and be a leader. So the school helps, you know, with that as well. And we have a lot of guys that want to take that role. And, and we don't have team captains in our program. I'll, I'll never name a team captain just because I want all of them to lead. And, and if there's a year where the seniors aren't leading in the right direction and there's a junior or a sophomore that knows the right way and, and is willing to go that way, we want them to be able to go up and lead. You know, So we're, we're trying to constantly build leaders throughout. As soon as you get in the program, just giving them the behaviors of what a leader does. This is what he does in the weight room. This is what he does when, when people are doing things they're not supposed to do. This is what he does when, when coaches aren't looking. You know, this is what he does when coaches are looking. You know, and and uh, um, as soon as they start to adapt with those behaviors, they, they learn to love it. But all of our guys, at some point, you know, they're going to have to lead. And, and I give them a, a goal sheet at the beginning of the year. And, and so it has some short-term goals, but then I, you know, put something at the end, you know, 15, 20 years from now, where do you want to be? They all say, you know, they want to have a family. They, they all, they all want to be a dad. All of our guys say it. I mean, and, and you know, at some point, you know, if they want to be a dad and I tell them, think about what your dad does now. You know, if, if, if something comes up, he's not looking around or trying to blame somebody, your dad's going to find an answer to that, that problem. And he's, he's a problem solver, you know, and, and, and there's no timeline on when you can become a problem solver, when you can start doing it yourself. And there's no timeline on maturity and there's no timeline on when you can start leading. You know, if you want to be a dad someday, you, you can you have an opportunity in front of you to start leading because that's what your dad does. He leads your family. So I think the school helps, you know, with the with the leadership. But we, we press on it hard because once there's leadership, that's honestly when, when I think a, a lot of good things can happen because they, they can they can make average players play better than you know their ability when you have that leadership and those guys set the culture and and the culture of the program is probably the most important thing to me and because you know we can get a kid you know that that probably doesn't have the best attitude that the culture now might just swallow that kid alive and uh, he may just not fit in or he's going to find a way to fit in because of the culture we've built and what those leaders are doing i love that and and i love that that you know i i Completely agree that the culture is a huge part of any baseball program and the culture that you're trying to build there, that you guys have an awesome culture. Uh, but let's move on from the fall and let's talk a little bit about the spring and, you know, just walk us through what you guys do for a typical practice. I know you're a huge base running guy and mm-hmm. I think you've mentioned it before that you guys start every practice with base running, but just kind of talk us through a, you know, what a typical skeleton practice plan would look like. We'll come out. So we're, we're fortunate enough to have a seven period baseball class. So we start practice at two o'clock. Uh, when, when a lot of the, you know, the other, uh, the rest of the camp is still on, uh, still in school. 
so we'll start at two o'clock and, and I'll get them together and I'll talk to them, kind of give them a plan for the day. And, and this is really where I kind of set the tone for the day and, and making sure that they know, you know, like, so what I always try to tell them is, is everybody works hard, especially in our conference. We're playing a really good conference in Phoenix with in a 6A conference with uh, Basha, Hamilton, Perry, and Chandler, all really good teams, all really good coaches. And all those guys are working hard and they're working hard in the weight room and on the field, but it's at what standard you work hard at. And, and so I try to make sure before practice is started that we, that our standards are in line and, and, for them not to just go through the motions and think they're working hard, it, it, you know, because everybody's doing it, everybody's going hard, but it's at what standard you do it. So I'll talk to them beginning of practice, you go through functional stretch, and we'll hop right into base running. And during that base running time, our pitchers, they throw a little bit longer, so they go down with Coach Spence, and, and we'll do um, you know, some additional throwing uh, along with uh, some of their dry work that they start, kind of a pre-practice routine that they have. And we start with base running, so we'll do – 15 minutes of base running to start and beginning of the year, we, we stay all on first base, you know, for a couple of weeks and then we don't move to second base until we're com- like completely squared away at first base. And then from there we go into uh, team defense, you know, which can be bun defense, first and third pop-up communication, rundowns, double cuts. So anything involved in team, we get the pitchers involved. And, and after a team defense, we go into individual defense and, and everyone goes with their position coaches we separate there, you know, so we'll go team D for 15 minutes and then position D for about 15 minutes. And then after that, we go into offensive stations and usually depending on our group. And so in the fall, our, our, our roster is pretty big. It's around 40 guys. And then we cut it down to about 20 in the spring, you know, so offensive stations in the spring are about 40 minutes with a, uh, so our offensive stations, we have a live station, um, a live defense station, a bunt group, and then cages station. With our cages stations, we, this is kind of where we do a lot of our individual work for each hitter. You know, so most of the time it, it's either Coach Torres or myself in the cages uh, working on specific things for that individual. And then once they leave and go on the field, then it's more team specific where they're going to hit and run. Uh, they're going to hit behind runners. They're going to execute situational at bats. And then towards the end, they'll get some swings and hitters counts. And we'll, we'll always hit and hitters counts. So some days they'll be. OO or 10 or, or 20 or 21 to make sure that they're comfortable in those certain counts and they're getting their best swing off in those counts you know so um, it's more individual in the cage once you get on the field it's it's a uh, half team offense and the other half them getting their best swing off in, in the right counts and then most of the time we'll use the end with the drill we call lightning bolt and and I, I took it from coach Lopez Arizona we did this weekly it's uh, you know lightning bolt because it's fast and, and it's fast pace and, and majority of the time it's hit and run you know so we have uh, a defense out there my guys uh, running at first base and another group executing on offense it's all hit and run so coaches are uh, coaches throwing and and we're going so offense is working on executing the hit and run the defense is working on turning double play and uh, so you get a ton of reps on defense and then we're working on execution offensively. I guess another play I love to do is is hit and run and, and being being comfortable, being able to hit and run in certain situations. You know, it just sets you as you can go from have running on first base to now first and third, and you got several options there. You know, so we'll we'll work on hit and run, and then uh, in lightning bolt, and then the the other situation I like is first and third, less than two outs, and, and give them three options. So they either go up, they can either go safety squeeze, they can go hit and run. Or they can execute a, we call it a bases loaded at bat, where they're trying to elevate the ball to the outfield to stay out of the double play. And the, and the guys go in there and call out which skill they're going to do. And so if I'm a guy that can, can handle the bat, I'm going to go hit and run. Or if I'm a you know three, four hole, I'm going to go bases loaded at bat and elevate something for the sack fly or stick it in the gap. Or if I'm a guy that I'm a um, small game guy, I'm going to go safety squeeze. So as a coach, I got to, I kind of get to real, I get to see who's comfortable with what, you know, if you guy, guy that gets up there and he's only safety squeezing, you know, he's not very comfortable, you know, swinging the bat or if a guy gets up and he's in a bases loaded at bat every time you can tell that guy wants those situations, you know, so get to see them execute, you know, and there's some accountability. If they don't execute, we usually have them do something, you know, at the end, just to, just to make sure that, that they know, you know, that they got to find a way to execute those at bats. And uh, we wrap it up, you know, we, we usually go, uh, no longer than, than two hours and, and 15 minutes. Try to keep it as, as short and quick as possible. Try to get those guys uh, just quality reps, get them in and out.
I like that a lot, and, and I like that it sounds like everything you guys are doing is is very fast paced. And you know, one thing again that that you're really known for, and and you were featured in a collegiate newspaper a couple a couple uh, maybe last year. Uh, well, no, it would have been two years ago whenever you were at South Mountain because you guys were just stealing a ton of bags, and you guys stole a ton of bags at Brophy this past year. Do you mind kind of diving into, you know, how you teach that stuff so maybe we could uh, steal a ton of bags as well and steal a ton of stuff from you? Yeah, absolutely. So that would that would have been uh, last year, or no, two years ago. So uh, we ended up stealing 200 bases. You know, the year before, I think we stole like 150. And then uh, they were all freshmen at that year. And so, you know, so we stole 200 bases that year. And this year, we ended up stealing 76, I believe, in the year before. I think the record before. I think it was like 40. And then the, the year before that, the, this team that I, that I had only stole 20. Base running part is, is real important to me. Honestly, I, I take all of it from Coach Lopez. And, and you know, so at Arizona, um, he spent the majority of his time with the pitchers. But the drills he would always run were, were base running. And, and once I started to, to coach with him, started to realize why that was. And it's a way to cast, you know, your shadow as a program. And it's a way to kind of, expose some defense, you know, some defensive because, you know, if you're not clean on defense and if you don't have a catcher that can throw, you don't have pitchers that can hold runners on, we're going to be able to take, you know, an extra 90 feet. And, and uh, that's really our offense is based around getting the third base. You know, there's a, you know, 26 different ways to score from third base and we're always trying to get to third. And, and uh, so, you know, from first base, you know, obviously there's a few different things with technique that, that we focus on. But really, it's just open up the, the the boys' eyes to when they can steal. You know, if the pitcher's giving them time, you know, if he's he's a one three one, uh, you know, one four, and he's he's giving us time to home plate, we can steal off that guy. If the catcher, you know, is a two two or a two three to to second base, the catcher's giving us time. You know, or or if we can steal off the middle infielders, or if the the, the pitcher's falling into different rhythms, and, and we can we can go with the time steal. Um, so it's just opening their eyes to what they can steal on. And, and in the summer, in the fall, uh, we just turn them loose and we'll get thrown out more than we'll steal. And, and it's just getting them comfortable with running, you know, but if they get thrown out, they have to be able to come back and say, you know, why, why they were stealing on that pitch. Mm-hmm. And then, and also getting them to guess pitches on the bases to figure out when a breaking ball is coming or, you know, if the guy's, you know, 0-2, you know, and it was probably going elevated fastball and we take off running, it's a great pitch out for the catcher. Just getting them to get thrown out in that situation so we can teach off it. And the other thing is is being really good at ball and dirt. And, and we do something technique-wise with our secondary leads to get us in rhythm with ball and dirt. And that's another way that we can steal. So I tell our guys, you know, you're never just on base. You're either stealing the base or you're reading ball and dirt. And, and that's it, you know. So... And if we don't get a ball and dirt opportunity, we look for the next one. Or if you don't get a stolen base opportunity, now we're looking for ball and dirt. And it's just opening their eyes to when they can get an extra 90. You know, from there, we go to second base and we have a couple different cues that, that we go off of. And it's the same thing as, as finding out what we can steal on, who's giving us the base. Because in each situation, each team, you know, they're going to give us that base in some way. And it's figuring out who's giving us that that stolen base. And, and so we're... You know, there's not too many teams that will put, you know, 10, 15 minutes aside for just pickoffs at first base or, or long holds with the pitchers. The middle infielder is working on their looks with the pitcher, you know, so so we can expose some teams because we work on base running so much in those ways and, and really use it as a way to get the players aggressive just in case we can't put the ball in the gap. You know, if, if it's a year like last year, we have, you know, a couple couple guys that can stick the ball in the gap. You know, we just need to get on first base and we we can steal, you know, or, or we can get on first base and hit and run and, and do something offensively. So base running will always be important. We put it at, at the beginning and at the end. And um, there's a lot we do with technique, but it's, it's 100% of mentality. And, and, and those guys not being afraid um, to get thrown out and them just showing up to the field and trying to figure out, looking at who's starting on the mound and saying, okay, this guy's slow twitch and uh, we're going to be able to see he's got slow feet. I'm going to extend my lead. Um, and just opening their eyes to, to uh, you know, who's giving them that stolen base. No, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and I think, it, you know, something that's also important is you talked about in the summer and the fall, you just let them loose and let them fail and then let them learn from it. And then you guys can uh, tighten it up in the spring. And, and I really like that a lot. And, 
And obviously you guys have had some success and you've had some success not only at Arizona, but also South Mountain and also at the high school level. So it's not something that's specific to one level of play either. So no, I like that a lot. And, and I think that, that I'm writing down notes furiously over here about, you know, how can we take that extra bag and get into scoring position. But talk to us about a little bit about yourself. And I want to get into, you know, some advice that you have and and some, th- some other stuff uh, other than player development that you guys do at Brophy. But talk to us about maybe some traditions and just some rituals that you guys do. You mentioned that Brophy's an older school. It's it's coming up on 100, 100 years old. So what are some you know traditions that are really unique to you guys? Man, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> so there's a so Brophy, you know, it, it's a Jesuit school, you know, so uh, and honestly, there's, you know, I can run to someone, you know, from Dallas Jesuit or, or Portland Jesuit, and we can talk the same language. Um, and and uh, so and being an all boys school, it's very unique because, you know, even just teaching classes and, and the guys you're around. So you're I wouldn't say it's it's like a frat party, but it, I mean, you get close to the guys around you. And that's something about uh, that helps us as a baseball program is uh, we're very disciplined because, you know, they come from good families and, and the parents have done a good job disciplining them and making sure, you know, their 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 time management is on point. And so we're fortunate that, that we don't have to deal with too much of that. The other thing is, is our guys will, will go run through a wall for you. And as soon as they trust you, they'll do anything for you. Like there's no doubt last year's group, you know, I can just point out a few guys. I go, you know, that that guy would probably take a bullet for me because he trusted, you know, me and my coaching staff. And that's kind of the brotherhood that this school brings to them. And and, and the other thing is we just, we just enjoy playing with each other. You know, anytime we're out in the field, you can tell our groups are, are very close, you know, and, and I think there's something to be said where, you know, you're with them all day long. You're not trying to press, you know, a girl that's in your class and there's, there's really no drama and, and it's just, it, it's real business-like, but it's also very family, family oriented. And, and, uh, you just feel the brotherhood. And as soon as we make that, that spring team, we come together pretty good. And, and team chemistry is, is, you know, one of our strong areas, you know, just because of how close these guys are. A lot of them go to, you know, play on, on club teams together or know each other since they're, you know, 10, 11 years old. And uh, they get even closer when, when they come to Brophy. And, and so we'll make our spring team um, the first week of uh, February. And then, you know, that first Saturday, we play a, a scrimmage uh, in the morning. And then we go up to a, uh, which is, we, Brophy owns a uh, kind of a retreat. I don't know if we call it a resort, but a retreat. You know, they have like four or five cabins up near Sedona that we'll go up to. We'll spend two days there. It's during President's Weekend. And, and, uh, um, so we take the team up there. It's just coaches and the kids, and, and that's probably the biggest you know bonding experience that we have. You know, and and we go, we we would do a few team building exercises, but for the most part, you know, we one of the one of the exercises that we do that I felt helped us this year was everyone. You know, so we talked about having courage. You know, and and uh, um, that was kind of the theme this year is, is courage and toughness. You know, a lot of them felt that courage was being fearless, you know, and, and once, you know, we kind of started to dig into that word courage is no, it, it's having fear, but it's being able to overcome that fear and still proceeding with whatever challenge you have in front of you. And, and one of the exercises we did was we had everybody, um, write on paper what their fear was, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in life and put it in a hat and we passed that hat around and, and there were, uh, we had everybody pull something out and read what someone's fear was. And we, and we started to realize everyone kind of had the same fear um, on the field and in life. And then we got to realize, you know, we're not that different. We all have the same fears. We all have to have to overcome those. And, and especially when it's on the field, now that we know our teammate fears this situation, we can get behind him and help him. And, and I think that that helped us a lot throughout this year because we're, we were under talented. We didn't have any uh, any seniors going Division One, and and you know all the teams in our conference. You know, I I, I shoot they had uh, you know at least five or six guys going Division One, so we were going up against opponents better than us. And and there is a little bit of fear with young kids, you know, but it's being able to have the courage to pursue pr- proceed and and still compete against those guys. And I think by the end of the year, um, we were able to get behind each other because we knew what each guy feared and we were able to help him have some of that courage to keep, to keep moving on. 
That's fantastic and a a great team building activity. And it's probably, you know, something that a lot of those guys didn't realize about the other guys as well. So, man, fantastic. I, I like that a lot. And so going into year two, what do you wish you had known before you became a head coach? I think being, uh, I wish I would have known, let me see, probably how to, because I was at the college level, deal with younger kids, you know, especially the, uh, the freshmen. I think what helped me was, was teaching freshmen, you know, and dealing with 14 year olds and and being able to adapt to their personalities quicker because I was used to dealing with, you know, 20, 21 year old guys and they would understand things and, and, I think I going into next year is being able to explain myself better, be a better communicator because, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, at, in college, those guys are adults and they're a lot of them, you know, have had a job before and, and they're kind of on their own. They can, they can handle their own business here. You know, you know, it's, it's a, a, a young kid and a young boy and, and anything you say, you know, could, could affect him, you know, big time, especially if he trusts you. You know, so I think going into next year is being more intentional about my words and being more passionate about my words, um, not only in the classroom, but but on the field um, because of how important of a role you are at, at their age. You know, and, and because a lot of those guys are are going through a time where, you know, they might not you know want to go home You're 15 years old. I remember I not not wanting to talk to go home and talk to my dad about baseball. You know, so we might you know, be their only outlet, you know, they, they might be going through their, you know, time where they're, they're just in a bad mood their whole time and, and be able to uh, communicate with those guys and, and giving them, you know, the, be- I want, I want our practice and our program to be the best part of their day. And I think last year was because we we're trying to change the culture. Uh, we were completely new and we had to, to get, get rid of a lot of bad habits that, that, that a lot of men had. And, um, so it was more businesslike and, and, and it was tougher on them than, than I should have been. Um, but now that we're that a lot of that culture is established and we, we have some leadership in the program it, is making sure every time they come out, whether it's in the weight room or on the field, that it's the best time of their day. I, mean, I know it is for me. And I know it is for my coaches. Like we can't wait to get out on the field. And, and we want that out of the kids, too. It's not for them to come out to the field and uh, wonder if they're going to get yelled at or coach is going to get on them, which way I know. You know, we might hold, we might hold them accountable. We might be on them, but we're doing it out of love and try to get them try to get them better. So I think going into year two is, is just making sure that you know not only myself and other coaches are communicating effectively to sixteen and seventeen year olds really well, and then you know making sure that that the best time of their life is in our program. Well, staying on the topic of you know you're wanting the uh, the kids to have the the best part of their day at practice. What's something that you guys do at practice that your kids just love? Honestly, I think they adapt to the base running. That is, so I'll say our practices are pretty intense. How much fun do we have? You know, we'll play a couple games at the end, but we'll, the, the fun comes in the games. And I always tell them, you know, we're going to work. We're going to take care of our business in practice. That way, you know, once the game comes, and this is a saying that I stole from Coach Lopez, is, is practices belong to the coaching staff and the games belong to you guys. And, and making sure that we take care of business and practice just so we don't have to say a word come game time. And, and what they'll find out is, is uh, what they have found out is the games are pretty fun. It's not fun when you lose, but the spirit of competition, you know, just come showing up to the game. And just because you have prepared, that's the fun I want them to have, you know. And, you know, again, we have a ton of energy out, out on practice, but it is, you know, pretty businesslike. We're going to make sure we get everything done that we need to get done. And I want them to have all their funds during the, those games because that's that's the the time that they're going to remember, you know. So, but we do, you know, every every once in a while we'll play a game that the kids love. It's called Carry the Club. We did that at Arizona also, and and it's an offensive game where you're partnered up with a guy, and the guy in front of you, you know, gets a hit. Next guy gets a free swing. And if he doesn't get a hit, then the guy in back has to carry the club. You know, he has to get a hit for the club. Um, but I kind of turn them loose, and you know, they can so they can heckle their. Uh, their teammates and, you know, all kinds of stuff's coming out. So uh, I think that's the fun part where, where I let them say whatever they want during that time. So, you know, just kind of get, get in each other's heads. So, but uh, for the most part, practice is, is, is all business and the games, you know, we'll, we'll have, we just let them loose, let them loose and free them up and let them have fun. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, let's get into your own personal journey a little bit. And what's the latest thing learned that you're really excited about? The biggest thing that, you know, especially this summer, I've been paying more attention to just movements of our players, of our athletes, and, and 
we have some good athletes. You know, we, we don't have athletes that show up to a lot of our, our, our schools and our conference. So myself and our strength coach, Joe Dank, and, and uh, Coach Molander have tried to clean up a lot of our, our players' movements and, and just being so into detail about making sure that we don't have any false steps. And whether it's on the base pass to a fielding, and, you know, Coach Molander had been a you know, quarterback's coach for, for a long time and very into detail. And, you know, he's been coming out to a lot of our games and watching some of our infielders that I just I don't notice because I see him take ground balls every day and seeing them. You know, he goes, why does he take three steps back before he goes forward? And, you know, I go, oh, I don't know. I, now I'm watching it, you know, so I'm paying attention more to what our movements are. And then the same thing when we're getting out of the box and we talk about getting hard out of the box. You know, even for a, you know, for a lefty, their, their first step is the right foot out of the box. Same thing for a righty, it's a right foot out of the box. And we're paying more into detail, attention detail of what's our, what's our right foot doing, making sure we finish our swing and as our right foot exploding out of the box. And, and the same thing in the weight room where we're, we're uh, one of the lifts that, that we'll pay you know, close attention to is the power clean is, is making sure that, you know, just moving weight effectively, you know, and being explosive with it. And can we take out some of those false movements? Because it's just like, you know, in baseball, you got to have some tempo and some rhythm um, defensively and on offense. Same thing with the power clean is being able to shrug at the right time, get underweight the right time. So I've been paying more attention in the off in the off season with that because that's a lot of what we're doing is trying to clean up our athletes and and, and making sure that you know if we're moving, we're moving in the right direction every time. You know, and, and that's something that uh, I've kind of gotten obsessed with over the last couple of weeks with Coach Molander. Um, and same thing with our arm swings, watching guys when they run their arm swings. And, and can we clean them up? Can we, can we loosen their shoulders to make them quicker? And, and that's been the focus of the, this summer is how can we you know, our, enhance our players' uh, performance by cleaning up some of their natural movements. Oh, that's really good. And I think that that's, that's something that it's it's gaining a lot of traction, just movement coaches and perception action and all of that different stuff. So I've, I'm right there with you trying to learn as much as I can about why players are moving the way that they are, that they are moving if they're moving a certain way. So that's really good. And uh, I've got two more questions for you before mm-hmm. you go. Uh, is there anything that other coaches, if they came to your practice or they came and watched you coach, that they think that they would think that you're crazy for doing? <laughs> It's got to be our base running. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, we'll uh, we'll steal at any time. We'll steal home at any time. It, I actually shouldn't say any time, but it, it's educated. I mean, I say I would think you know some of the stuff we do offensively. You know, we'll we'll, we'll squeeze, we'll double squeeze. Um, we haven't. I haven't had the courage to do it in a game yet, but we'll hit and run with the bases loaded. You know. So, but but we'll. I mean, if you play as at some point, we'll do something offensively that. You know, the other coach is going to think, God, the guy's nuts or the guy put on the wrong sign. You know, and, and part of that is, you know, just being creative in how we score runs. And the, the kids love it. And the kids love when we go double squeeze. The kids love when we steal home. Um, they love when we, do- when we double steal. Um, so they definitely, you know, how we run the bases and thinking, you know, some of the coaches have told me, man, like, you don't mind, you know, getting thrown out. Like, no, I'd, I'd rather have them aggressive, you know. And so um, I think, you know, if they came out and saw, you know, some of our, you know, how we steal bases and when I'm telling them to go or if they get thrown out and give them a high five um, because they stole at the right time, they just got thrown out. Um, I think a lot of coaches probably say, um, I'm crazy how I, I don't get, you know, I'll get mad about giving up some outs, you know, especially in some situations right now in the off season, you know, in the spring, I'm, I'm hoping that they're educated enough to kind of just go on their own. But, you know, we our our, our offense is, is a little different, you know, at times. And if there, there might be a day and age where we have, you know, you know, five, six hitters that can put the ball in the gap. Right now, we have a lot of guys that are good, you know, action guys with the bat, you know. So, you know, we may hit and run four times in a row if it's going to get us first and third and first and third and first and third again. You know, we've done that before. And, you know, we wait and wait till the pitcher gets us in the right count and we keep doing it, you know. So, and, and Coach Lopez always used to say this is it's never a gamble if you can execute. You know, you put on that sign, it's never a gamble if, if you trust your guy. If you go and hit and run, that your guy's going to give his best effort to put the ball in play. And then you're in, if they go pitch out, you know, that your base runner can, can read that on the first step and shut down, you know, the, the run, you know, so, you know, just being able to execute whenever you want and, and getting that, you know, getting the guys to buy in that all we need is a runner on first base and offensively we can get him, you know, to third base. And from there, 
there's several different ways to score them, you know. So it doesn't always end up that way, but that, that's where our, where our offense is geared. And, you know, like I said, if there's a day that we can stick the ball in the gap, you know, I'll let, just let those guys hit. But, you know, right now we got to be pretty creative on, on how we score runs. Oh, for sure. They don't ask uh... – they don't ask how; they ask how many runs you scored. So right, right. <laughs> I, I like that, and and you're you're critiquing it to your team, so that's that's the main thing, and and I think that's what we've got to do from an offensive standpoint. We're at the time of the year where we're trying to learn and get better and and implement some stuff for next year. So talk to us about you know your favorite resources, your favorite books, uh, podcasts, whatever you've got, so we can uh, start digging in and and start getting better as coaches. I would say the book that I keep going back to and I still go back to it and have a ton of notes in it is, is uh, Urban Meyer's book above the line. I don't know if you've read that one, but mm-hmm. um, it, 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 I think I read it at the right time because he talks a lot about leadership and culture. And I read it coming into the summer that, that I was taking over Brophy and, and I'm still, I, I'm still going back and, and, uh, and checking my notes on, on some of the stuff that he talked about. That is, I think, you know, I, I've read a handful of books and some of them I've, I've liked and enjoyed, but I think that one kind of just hit me at the right time and just for when I'm, you know, when I needed it, you know, and, and so if you haven't read that book, that, that'd be another, uh, a book to read. Um, it, it's pretty easy to read and, and it's a book that you keep going back to because he has so many nuggets in that book. And, and honestly, just reaching out to coaches, I, I probably do that more than anything and, and not being afraid to send an email and, and ask somebody if they'll spend, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes on the phone. Um, and, and I follow, you know, a handful of guys on Twitter, like a lot of people do. And, and, and I'd rather just see if they'll get on the phone with me. And so there's been a handful of guys this year that I've reached out to and just talked to them on the phone and, and ask them some questions. And I think you'll find out, especially in baseball, the baseball community, so many people are, are, are willing to help. So I, I've used that and, and just not being afraid to, kind of reach out there because because a lot of a lot of coaches will spend time you know teaching other coaches and, and i've done that over this last year's you know especially the head coaches you know guys that that, that i look up to or i've seen their program from far and have, have asked them you know kind of how, how they do you know you know what they do and how they keep their program running in that way so just being able to reach out to people and, and not being afraid you know to to you know, kind of just send someone an email that you don't know, but you like what he does or you follow him on, on social media. Um, and and that, that, that's what I've done the last year and a half. So in a great segue to that, if our listeners want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way to do that? I'm on Twitter. You can uh, follow me. It's at Josh Gar, J-O-S-H-G-A-R. And then so I don't give as much information as I should out there. And as far as like, you know, where base running stuff and offensive stuff, I mean, I'll brag about our players and I'll complain about the weather um, <laughs> on Twitter, but I'm, you, I, you can always email me. My email is uh, jgarcia at brophyprep.org, brophy, B-R-O-P-H-Y.org. Perfect. Now, I did have one thing before you go. I wanted to see if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners about your song, Writing Talents, and, and specifically the El Paso trip. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll be a, no. a Twitter DM and yeah, email Twitter, conversation. So. Yeah, Twitter DM. Yeah, if you want, if you want me to write you a song, you can you can Twitter DM me. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else you'd like to tell our yeah, listeners before yeah. you go? No, honestly, th- th- uh, thank you for having me on, and I, I appreciate your time, and and uh, I think what you're doing is outstanding. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.